So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash startalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash startalk today. I'm Gary O'Reilly. And I'm Chuck Nice. And this is Playing Playing With Science. Science. Gary O'Reilly. And I'm Chuck Nice. And this is Playing, Playing with, with Science. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Yes! Yeah! Yes! And today, sports and science are colliding here in Austin, Texas for South by Southwest. We are so... Yes! Give it up! Excellent. Great place to be, great festival, and we have some superb guests. One guy has basically done it all. Another Dude, I'm not a guest. I'm the host. What are you talking about? And another who knows it all. And then there's Chuck and myself. (laughs) Right, let's get to the business. The gentleman on the lovely Regency sofa, Holden Kushner. Absolutely. Holden. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, Holden Kushner. Host of our Major League on TuneIn 90 program. And I will be JP's interpreter today because he only speaks Spanish in public. Sweet! This is going to be a lot See. of fun. Oh, my God. Right. This, just, this just got so interesting. Yep. So, uh, now, Holden, you are the host of, please. MLB on Tuna Lab. We talk baseball, but science is really colliding with baseball now. So, it's kind of cool that we're here doing yeah. this. Very cool. Good very cool. Right. All right. And, so, and so, the other guy sitting here who does not speak any English, Gary, who is this? Because he couldn't understand what I just said. I think there are people here that know who already who this guy is. JP Arancibia. <laughs> Yes. yes! JP. Yes. Well deserved. The man who has just, in the last couple of months, retired mm. from Major League Baseball. A catcher. A man whose records still stand. You walk away from professional sport and you're forgotten very quickly. This man, that will not be the case. Just so you can make JP very comfortable, uh, you, you can interpret this. Mucho gusto. Okay? He says... Uh, Thank you very much, I think. <laughs> Gracias. Yeah, Gracias. No problemo. This is going right, to take an awful lot longer, isn't <laughs> exactly. it? Exactly. Right, and joining us via video call is the one, the only, Charles Liu, astrophysicist extraordinaire. Give it up, please. As always, a tremendous pleasure to be here with you guys. Chuck Liu, my friend, how are you? Hey there. Life is very good, thank you. Uh, waiting for baseball season to start. I know you're a big fan, Chuck. You're like a huge baseball fan, aren't you? I'm sports Love fan. the sport. Yeah, mm-hmm. All right. It's great stuff. And, and it, it really is true that uh, the JP and other 
people who are at that highest level of performance in professional sports, their brains are working all the time to optimize things like angles, forces, accelerations, decelerations, a little bit of everything. Looking forward to talking about it. Very nice, man. Very nice. JP, did you know this about your own brain? Were you aware that your brain is always optimizing information? Uh, I know that my brain is more like a squirrel's brain. I can optimize. <laughs> I'm here one second. I'm there the other. I don't, so I don't know. I have a I have a very ADD like mind, but uh, I guess that I optimize it pretty quickly because I can. Baseball comes pretty fast, so you got to be able to do it. Right on. No, Did terrific. you during your career, JP, feel that science had any role to play, or was it a case of that you know what, this is what I do, I do it. Yeah, I never thought about it scientifically until I started sucking and. <laughs> then I had to start. <laughs> then I had to start really looking into why, yeah. other than other than just mechanics and do the you know understanding physics side of it. Now, obviously, in baseball, mm -hmm. there's a lot of spin rate and trajectory, how you launch the ball, home runs, all these different things. So I, I think I was a little late to the party. That's why I'm 31, and I was <laughs> I, I I called it a quit. But it was still. I mean, now it's like you said, the worlds are colliding: baseball and science, and just sports and science in general. Okay, Chuck, let's bring Charles in and kind of break down exactly what JP would have gone through in his nine to five, right? Mm -hmm. Sitting there, hunched behind plate. Charles? Yeah, here's the deal. Fastball, talk me through it. Not Spin rates, everything. Fastball, 90 miles an hour. How, how many miles feet. per hour, Chuck? Let's say 90. Okay. Nice round number. Nice okay, round that's number. a nice fastball. Although I understand, JP, you threw about 75, right? I threw about 75, yeah, when I had, I, we were getting killed by uh, the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, okay, <laughs> so now you guys are talking inside baseball right no, now. No, no, uh, no, JP's one of, the, one of the few privileged uh, Major League Baseball players in history, both to pitch and to hit and to catch yeah. uh, all pitch, in the same game. Pitch and catch so in the really same cool. game. Did anyone in our audience yeah. know this about JP? Did they? <laughs> Yeah. Actually, quite a few <laughs> yeah. people are. Quite a few people do know this. This is a cool thing, right. man. Holden. Yeah. Uh, Yo. Did he do it well? No, he was horrible. <laughs> How did oh, you do in on. your inning? I, I, in all seriousness, I did not. I, I knew that you would. I kind of knew you pitch. How did you do in that inning? Because 75 miles an hour ain't gonna get it done. No, actually, it gets it done because no one's used to that speed. So yeah. <laughs> if you're under, if you're under the, if you're under the speed. Uh, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's what works. So I was actually, it was after the game, they're like, JP, so you were throwing knuckleballs? And I was like, no, that wasn't my fastball. <laughs> I was, I was, I just didn't want to, I, but I, I, I gave up one hit and then it's funny, ironically, the last guy that I faced, yeah. right. he was a guy that I played with my entire life through little league, through the whole thing. Uh -oh, and I'm no. now all of a sudden I'm laughing because this guy that I'm about to throw a ball that I'm praying, like, please don't just hit me. That was the only thing I was scared. Was that I don't, I'm used to wearing equipment. I, yeah. I'm, like, right. covered <laughs> up. I didn't want – I was like, please just don't hit the ball back at me. You know? And I got out of the inning, and then, of course, after everyone's, like, interviewing me about, ah, oh, how'd you get these guys out? I'm like, dude, it's because the hitters wanted to get out. Whenever I faced a position player, I was like – Okay, this is a lose-lose situation. You hit a homer, everyone's like, "Dude, you're you're a d-bag." Like you just took this guy, <laughs> and, then if, and then if you strike out, everybody makes fun of you. Right. So the only way that you can do anything good is kind of walk. So when I used to face position players, I would just try to put the ball in play and get out because I was like, "Just get it over with. Just give the bat away." Nice. Well, that's so All sweet. Right. That means your career ERA is zero point zero zero, isn't it? That is correct. That is good for you, man. <laughs> yeah. Way to go. Okay, I'm sorry. Where were we? 
Hit okay, JP's crouched. Yeah. He's Nine. crouched behind the plate. 90 mile an hour fastball coming toward him. 60 feet, 6 inches away. That's 0.46 seconds for him to react. Okay? Now, he's got to set up a target, but if something happens, if the guy throws low when he was expecting high, if he throws inside when he's expecting outside, he has less than half a second to jump in front of this ball. And the first question I have for you, JP, something that I've wanted to ask catchers for a really long time, how important actually is the target? Does it actually matter where you put your glove in order to stop the ball or in order for the pitcher actually to, to pitch a good pitch? Does it matter at all, scientifically speaking? Shoot, I, that's that's the question. You're the scientist. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. so, so what Chuck, and, and it's a very good question, Chuck. When you see a pitcher, I mean, sorry, a catcher, after he makes the call, so you're in that crouch, and I know what Chuck is talking about. You're in that crouch, and then you make the call, right? You give your little finger sign, but then you shift position after you give that sign. Yeah. Does that mean anything, or is that some kind of like, I don't know, uh, uh, Peyton Manning, like, Omaha, Omaha? Is that, well, like, what is that? I mean, there's, there is part of it that's, that's not real. There's, okay. there's certain things that you're trying to mask. Obviously, in baseball, you're trying to get – and if I'm setting up in and there's a guy in the dugout that, I, that sees me set up in early, most of the time setting up in is going to be a fastball, and they may be relaying that. So there's a lot of different things that you try to do to mask that. But to his question about the target, yeah, I mean, you try to give a guy a visual. That's what they – you know, you supposedly – some guys, you talk to some pitchers, and they'll say – that on a breaking ball, they're not aiming at my mitt. They're aiming at my mask. Mm -hmm. because they, oh. Is that because they don't like you? Is that, no. No, that's because they want to start it there because if a breaking ball starts at my mask, then it's going to be probably in the strike zone when it gets to me. So um, different things. I think the biggest one is we know how when guys stand up and the fastball up, I think that's the biggest target that, that uh, guys, because you're always taught sure. to throw down, throw down. So late in the yeah. – the, so when, it's th when the count's late, what we try to do is – is we try to throw the fastball up because if the fastball is on the same plane, and I'm sure you could speak to this too, is if the fastball is on the same plane, if I throw a breaking ball, I want to try to make the breaking ball look to our eyes. Like it's going to keep straight. Like it's going to yeah, stay, stay straight the so entire time. So if there was a, right. you know, a side view, you, the fastball would be straight, and then you'd want the breaking ball to come right off of that. So if it, once you're later in the, in the count and there's, you know, most of the time it's breaking balls, they throw fastballs up for that reason because you want them to think it's a breaking ball or whatever and they chase it and it's a, it's an easy out but sometimes if you don't put the the target up there they're so used to throwing down that gotcha. and all of a sudden if i'm like this if i don't do this right the thing that sucks about a catcher is that anything <laughs> that goes wrong it's your fault it's my fault right so it's like JP, why didn't you have your glove up? I'm like, dude, the dude's making 20 million bucks. He can throw the ball where he needs to throw the ball. But it, it's my fault. So that's – that. I mean, yeah, there's certain times – and, again, there's certain times where I'll pretend like I'm going to throw a ball in the dirt, just show that I'm throwing, and I'm, I know that it's going to be a fastball up. Because, again, you're always trying to hide things that you're doing because the other team is trying to relay it. All about camouflage. Hey, Chuck, so can, Yo. you, can you do a favor? Because now uh, JP just mentioned two things. Okay. Fastball up. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he mentioned breaking ball. Uh -huh. So from a physics standpoint, yes. how do those two things happen? One, how okay. do you get a fastball to go up? And how do you get the breaking <laughs> ball to break and drop? And what forces well, we'll start. are in play, yeah. And what's that? Yeah, we'll what start. forces are in play? And what, yeah. and what we'll forces? start with the breaking ball first. 
Yeah, what forces are in play? You, a, a baseball, as you know, has got the laces on it, right? And so the raised laces, theoretically, allow for when a ball is coming through and you're holding it in just a certain way and you spin it as you are throwing it, what's going to happen is you're going to create airflow that goes on one side of the ball different from the other side of the ball. And your goal is to make it so that it'll push the ball away from a straight line and go sideways, right? A simple example, you, if you've all played wiffle ball before, you notice that the ball's got holes in it, right? Yes. It's a plastic thing. And so you hit the thing, and the ball just kind of floats up and does weird stuff back and forth, left and right, and, and it makes it nice and soft so the kids can catch it without hurting themselves. But uh, in the major leagues, you have the real ball, and it actually hurts if it hits your face, right? And you have these little laces that are causing the break to happen. There have been actually a number of um, uh, master's theses, uh, not quite PhD as far as I know, but master's theses trying to explain why the ball actually moves. Because if you just do a first-order physics calculation, those laces aren't high enough to affect the smooth flow of air over a ball to cause it to break. But it does break. Breaking balls do break, right, JP? It's not just an illusion. Yeah, and, and, and to bring up to that point too, and I'm sure you can answer this, is are there quite a bit of like people who watch baseball here? Do, is, is there anybody that watches baseball for the most part? All right. Yeah. So baseball fans. Yeah. You guys ever, will you guys ever realize, let's say when a ball hits the dirt, do you guys realize we always throw it out? You guys I've ever noticed that. that? Or a ground ball, they throw I just it thought, out? I just thought Major League Baseball was extremely wasteful. No, we are, <laughs> we are economical. But um, so what happens is, is scuffs on the ball, right? So if, a, so if I get a ball in the dirt, mm -hmm. right? pitchers used to tell me like don't don't throw it out until the umpire is like throw it out because what happens is and, and you could speak to this is if the ball scuffed which scuffed means on the ball if there's a scratch, scratch on it right. or some guys scratch it themselves which is also known as cheating yeah but, uh, <laughs> wait who was the guy who used to have a little Phil piece Necro. of sandpaper in his oh, glove Phil, yeah. Phil Necro. Phil, yeah. Phil, yeah. Phil, Phil why, why you got to be black, man? What's up? Yeah, hey, that's messed no, I'm up, joking. Phil well, He's quite white. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I but know. That's... So, no, really, uh, yeah. but, yeah, and so he, 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 was, he was actually caught, like, taking a little sandpaper. And... Well, so what happens is, is so I, there's some pitchers that know how to use that, and then what they do is they put the scratched part of the ball a certain way depending on which way they want it to move. So there was pitchers that I knew if there was a ground ball or if I was throwing a ball down a second, if I can skip it, and get it to be scuffed, I would call a pitch, and I could tell instantaneously that the ball, without looking at it, that it was scuffed because I knew wow. the ball wouldn't move. His normal fastball wouldn't move, or his normal cutter wouldn't move wow. the, the same amount. That's if insane. Not, so that's why when you guys watch the game and you're like, dude, why are they always throwing all these balls out? It's because literally these guys are so good, and you can speak about the physics, but as soon as you get a ball that's scuffed, and all of yeah. a sudden, the ball moves two inches. If it's scuffed, it goes four inches. Yeah, which is a huge. Wow, difference. that's a lot of movement. That's a that's a big it, that's a big difference. Yeah, it's like kicking the valve on a penalty shot uh, in soccer, right? You're just causing the ball and the air to interact in an unpredictable way based on the fact that the ball is not perfectly spherical. Now, the rising fastball, uh, Chuck and Gary. That's the question I want to ask JP also, because physically, you're not supposed to be able to throw a rising fastball. All right. What, now, wait a minute. A Are you saying is, this as an actual physicist? Yeah. That From a physics perspective, when you are throwing a fastball, see, the mound is a little bit higher than home plate. Okay. Right? So when you're throwing from the pitcher to the batter, into the batter's box, well, not in the batter's box, hopefully just in the, uh, in the strike zone, right, uh, you're actually throwing the ball downhill a little tiny bit. Right? There is 
literally no way to cause the ball to go upward. So a rising fastball, most physicists are quite certain, is actually an illusion. It's just a fastball that doesn't go downward. And so it looks like it goes upward. And, and I would love to ask a, a major league player who has experience, if actually a ball, to his knowledge, JP, has ever actually dipped down and back up again purposely. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> yes, no, we're no, right. You, yeah, you can't. So he's, he's right. He's right in the sense because what happens is, is and like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think from when the guy releases the ball to when it gets to the catcher, the ball drops eight inches. Okay. Okay, so what the misnomer is that it's a rise fastball, but it's not rising, it just doesn't drop as much. And, I got gotcha. you. And, and so that's the biggest thing. And so our whole, our whole career, if I have done – as a kid, everything, you're used to the ball coming down. If I can find somebody that spins the ball at a high enough rate that the ball doesn't drop necessarily as much as, as it mo- would normally drop. Yeah, because it, cause the eyes, your right. eyes, I'm just used to, again, and like you said, we have 0.4 seconds to make a decision. So literally, I'm when I was hitting, I mean, you have to trust your eyes. So as soon as this ball comes out, what's coming to your head other than the squirrel stuff, what's come into my head is that, is like what the ball, what it's doing, what the ball, where the ball is going to be when I swing, how am I going to make contact? Right. So what these guys do, and this is why guys that are throwing 90 miles an hour, they blow guys away compared to a guy that's throwing 98 because the guy that's throwing 91, out of his hand, you might think is going to end up here when it's necessarily – it's ending up here. So, really, the, the rising fastball is just a not-dropping fastball. That's the real – that's the real name of it, the not-dropping fastball. That's what we're going to start calling but it. Yeah. That, <laughs> there you go. And that's all down to the spin rate that a pitcher will – From, from Chuck, what I yeah. – They're up. Charles, can you spin tell us why, why is the spin rate so important – uh, to support what JP is talking about in the not dropping fastball, which it right. shall forever now be known as. <laughs> a spin rate of a ball uh, is the most important thing that determines whether or not it will interact with the air smoothly or unsmoothly, right? Uh, JP was saying also, uh, after the spin, there's a nicks uh, in the ball, you know, scuffs, Yep. or say the laces and things like that can make the difference. If you want to have something not move, you've got to try to make it spin as little as possible. Uh, excuse me. Uh, in some cases, as fast as possible, mm-hmm. right? The faster you go, the less likely it is that the ball's motion will be influenced by random air activity. You want it to spin in a strange and unusual way in order to make it work uh, uh, and create uh, breaks in the thing. So uh, we could ask JP uh, from the batting point of view. Uh, and, and let me say, while I have a moment, I still remember hearing in the news uh, uh, in your debut with the Toronto Blue Jays when you hit a home run in your first at bat and then went on to hit another home run the same day, four hits on your opening day, including two home runs. I don't know if anyone's ever else has done that before, but I remember hearing that on the news. That was pretty amazing. I, I, I want you to know that, JP. So I set the bar too high. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> nice stuff. All right, Charles. Okay. So so let me get yeah. Go, so let me get up, back please. to the hitting stuff. Okay, just real quick. Oh, sorry. Yes. So you watching a ball coming in when you're about to hit it, if you see the ball spinning fast, you literally can't see the spin, right? 
if it's when it's slower, that's when you can see the spin and go, uh oh, this is a knuckler coming in. You have to be careful with it. If you can't see the spin, that means it's move, it's spinning so quickly that it's likely not to break, and therefore you can probably predict where the ball is going to be when it gets over the plate, right? Wow. Yeah, exactly. You want to see out of the hand if you if you see any kind of laces, any kind of red. Usually it's an off-speed pitch, or as opposed to if you see more of a cue ball, mm. you know that it's going to be a fastball. When you're not doing well, it all looks like a cue ball, so then, oh, no. then you're really in trouble. That's, what it, that's, then, that's how you know your eyes aren't working. But, yeah, no, to your point, I mean, you'll see it because now I'm learning because of the amount of spin out of the hand. I could tell, okay, that was something that's not a fastball. It would compute in my head. Cool, man. Very cool. Well, we got to take a break. So yeah, we have. Um, I think ball eye coordination. Wow, um, that sounds very gay. The I like just it. that's got Chuck's interest. I like it a lot. Certainly. So I am so into this we right are, now. We, we are going to take so a break. I am so into ball eye coordination. Yeah, dropping so, uh, balls. While Chuck works with that, and he might have to work on that on his own, <laughs> we'll take a break. And uh, when we come back, we will be speaking to Holden. He's been very patient. So stick with us. Back in a second. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx ground is faster to more locations than UPS ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any of you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Welcome back. Yes. Thank you, yes. Gary O'Reilly. And I'm Chuck Dice. And you've heard it all before, haven't you? Yes, this is Playing, Playing with, with science. science. And we are here at South by Southwest. And we are privileged to be here with some really rather special guests. Holden Kushner from iTunes and JP Arancibia, former Major League Baseball player, and as I said before, the one and only Charles Liu. 
Right, talked about pitching, Charles. Um, I think JP's got a, a little bit of an interest in batting. Uh, uh -huh. 80 home runs, by the way. This man here. Total envy. Yeah. Total 80 home runs. Envy, 80. But, but holds the record. Still, still holds the record for what? 23 home runs for the Toronto Blue Jays as a catcher? Yeah. That still stands, right? Still stands. Okay. 23 in Not one bad. season. Incredible. And as Charles alluded to before the break, on his major league debut, first ball, home run. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what do you think when, that's, when that happens? Like, okay, so it's your major league debut. It's your first at bat. You get up there and you pop a home run. It, do you just say to yourself, like, damn, it is all downhill from here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, t I remember I was, I was – not really nervous. I was just ready for the opportunity. Yeah, because it's been a long road to get to yeah. a major league game. Yeah, I mean the minor leagues and and all these different stops that we have in in baseball. That yeah, fortunately, unfortunately, people only see the major leagues. There's a lot the of New great. Hampshire Fisher Cats springs to mind. Yeah, let's talk about well, let's not talk about. But Las Vegas was where I was at the longest, and that's where I almost died a few times. But it was it was worth it. It worth was pretty it. fun. Long journey. Totally but worth what it. What about yeah. that? <laughs> Anyone have that dream? First ball, home run, major league? Because if, if I was a baseball player, hand up. I would have had that dream. That's the reality. It's incredible. <laughs> now, you talked to us during the break about density of wood. Yeah. And All right, pitch that question. No pun intended. It was really. <laughs> to Charles, go for it. All right, well, when I went through my struggles, so I started struggling a little bit, and I actually thought that I would use a lighter, smaller bat that it would help me. And a hitting coach told me, you're a power hitter. Mm -hmm. the bigger, harder, heavier, more dense wood would be more uh, mm. useful for you. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I, knew, I knew that was coming. Of I knew, that, I knew that was coming. You can't say all those words together and not expect me to do something with it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, honestly, I started using it, but mentally I couldn't adjust and say, man, if I use a heavier bat, I always thought it was going to slow down my hands. It was right. going to do this. And so I wasn't. So you're able thinking, let me let me get around on the swing quicker, and a lighter bat will help me do that. I'll get around on the swing quicker. I can meet the ball faster. But then your pitching coach is saying, no, hitting, hitting coach, hitting coach, sorry, is saying, you see how much I know about this sport. Uh, he's saying you need a heavier bat because you're a power hitter. Yeah. So what happens is he said lighter bat. Since it's lighter, your body, you try more. When it's a heavier bat, you try to do less. But also, when a heavier, and this is my question, is when a heavier billet of wood, so when they start making a wood bat, there's, yeah. It's, yeah. it's a piece of lumber, yeah, and they move right. it down. So it's, there's heavier billets, there's denser wood, there's harder wood. Right. So if you use a heavier bat, when it hits the ball, the ball's going to go further. And so I got convinced when... I started struggling, started using this bat. First game I used the bat, I went, I hit two home runs. And I was like, all right, this is pretty cool. And then when I would hit balls on not the sweet spot part of the bat, they were yep. still leaving the park. And I was like, complete sold. And nowadays, in, you, in, in older times, guys used to use much heavier bats. And it was a big difference. Now everyone wants to use a lighter bat. And I still try to convince guys like, dude, you still need, you should go with the heavier bat. The bigger, heavier, the bigger, heavier bat. Bigger, heavier bat. Yeah. Everybody knows once everybody you go bigger, heavier bat. Okay, Charles. So that's our question. <laughs> Chuck. Okay. Tell us All your right. feelings about big, heavy 
would. It's just got weird. You couldn't well, resist look, it. Well, Chuck, you, you are the expert here on good wood, but uh, I can tell you a little bit about the wood that goes in a baseball bat. Uh, the, th- the thing is, of course, the major leagues have rules, right? Just like you, uh, the NFL requires you to inflate your balls to a certain uh, p- pressure, whether or not you want to. Okay. Uh, the same is true. With baseball bats, you can only have a certain uh, length, certain width, certain amount of pine tar, certain density, things like that, okay? okay. Uh, and uh, you may remember there was a controversy some years ago about people putting cork in your bats. Right. You open it up, you put some spongy stuff inside, and you cap it off, and you make the ball bounce a little bit off, off of your um, bat a little bit more. So here's the physics, right, JP? Uh, your, your batting coach was correct in that if you have a heavier bat – you swing it around and you are creating more momentum in your bat so that when you transfer that momentum to the ball, when you hit it, it will go farther. The problem, of course, is that it requires more torque. You have to generate that extra turning of your wrists and your arms, elbows eventually in order to move that bat head fast enough to transfer that momentum, right? The main issue is the matter of contact. If you can contact a ball pulling while swinging a thicker, heavier bat. Your heavier bat is going to work for you. If you can't get the bat around, though, if you don't have the arm strength, if you don't have the wrist strength, then the heaviest bat in the world isn't going to help you because that fastball is going to blow on right by. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does because that's what his coach was saying. You're a power hitter, therefore you need the heavier bat. It makes sense. Yeah, and and, and to his point, there's guys, I mean – there's different gifts. Guys have to, I was always able to hit a ball far. And so that was my gift. There was guys that can't hit a ball far. That's, that some guys can throw hard. Some guys can't. It's just genetically whatever they have. But that right. was one thing I was – and so when I was able to start using those heavier bats, it, it really made a huge, huge difference. I got right. a quick yeah, go question ahead. about yeah, balls please. myself because yeah, yeah. JP's been hit many a time being a catcher, hmm. right? I mean, you, be, you go down, you get hit square, so – just for you, which hurt worse, getting a foul tip in, in, in the cup, or was it just a ball that hit the dirt and came up and hit you square on? Oh, that's can you a, share that's, a story oh, with I us? Can, I have a great story I know about you that, do. actually. Yeah, so, uh, Are you comfortable? Yeah, this, yeah density. We'll of, yeah, <laughs> density. For, for the, the, the dudes will understand this a little bit more, I think. <laughs> but um, So first off, there's this thing called the Nutty Buddy. You guys should check it out. It's actually a cup. <laughs> It's called it's a cup. Wait a minute. Yeah. Say it again buddy. now. Oh, no, no, no. Say this again now. You need to watch this YouTube the video. The Nutty Buddy. That's correct. And it, this is a, so, uh, a a protection cup. That's right. That has, right. There's two compartments. For two it. compartments. Yeah. So, but it's, check it out on YouTube. The dude, the way, he, the way he, he advertises it is he stands in front of a pitching machine and just takes a ball. And just takes them. Square in the, right. in the cup. <laughs> and it actually. Now, see, that, 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 that. That works unless I find him later on that same night with a dominatrix, <laughs> and then he's a massive. And then I'm just like, okay, dude, now you just now you just yeah. you're fooling people. But go ahead. So the nutty buddy, the nutty buddy. So I've actually uh, have, have there's a lot of umpires that wear nutty buddies nowadays, thankfully. But um, what to my point was story, the protection from down up is not the best. So gotcha. foul balls. Right. One time, <laughs> one time. I got a foul ball, right, and hit in the dirt. So straight it's ricocheting up, straight up, straight up, to, right, 
It's and like a scene from that, uh, from, I, I brought up James Bond earlier, but remember yeah, when they pulled yeah. that oh, seat yeah. out in front of James Bond <laughs> and they sat him down? Uh, yeah, go so, ahead. Casino Royale, the remake, go ahead. So I literally am in such pain, I hop off the field. Okay. Into the bathroom that's in the dugout. Right. And so oh. the trainer's obviously chasing me down at this point, like, dude, there's a game going on. Right. And so <laughs> I pull down my pants and I'm like... Just tell me it's not bleeding. Just oh. tell me it's not oh, bleeding. Lord Jesus. Oh. And so, mm-hmm. sure enough, I wasn't bleeding. Was able to get back, get back. You out went back and field, played. Finish it out. <laughs> that night at the bar, I, I, and again, this is mm-hmm. a little much. But that night at the bar, it was a little, uh, a right. little tough. Little down, but little ginger. Once a few uh, mm-hmm. whiskeys deep, and I was good to go. I did with have that. a serious question, real quick though. So, go for it. the speed of the bat, right? Yeah. If the speed of the bat is the same as the speed of the ball. When it hits and come up and hits him, does that mean that the ball is going to stay at the same speed? Does the speed of the bat impact the speed of the ball Interesting. coming off the bat? Right. All right. I'm sorry we got a, a graphic no, discussion I'm, no, here. By the way, <laughs> no. I did I did want to know something physical. Like now there's something called exit velocity off a bat. Right. So it's exit yeah. velocity. Exit velocity. You, you want a certain exit velocity coming off your bat, and you, and you know. So, by the way, on a 90 mile an hour pitch, what was the exit velocity off of the ground to JP's balls? <laughs> you really don't know. It could be higher, it could be lower, it could be the Can same. Can you explain wow. exit velocity to a guy who has to talk about exit velocity all the time but can't wrap his head around it? <laughs> exit velocity is just very simply how fast the ball leaves the bat, right? Your bat's coming in, ball's coming in, they hit each other. And this was going this way, and then it goes that way. The ball, all you need to know, exit velocity, it depends on too many factors to predict at any given time. But there's two things that are important, right? Not only does you have to get the speed of the ball off the bat, you have to figure out the angle of the ball off the bat is, right? If you are hitting, I don't care if the ball is a bat, the ball is coming off the bat at 100 miles an hour or 50 miles an hour or 60 miles an hour. If you don't follow Wee Willie Keeler, hit him where they ain't, it's still an out. Right. So the bat speed thing matters because you have to be able to get around on a hundred mile an hour fastball. You got these guys now who are throwing a hundred every day. Right. I mean, Odalis, uh, guys like that. Uh, but really, if you have a, uh, if you're really trying to figure out how to optimize your ability to hit, it's not the speed that matters. It's whether or not you can get the ball to where the, the fielders aren't. If gotcha. you're trying to hit a home run, right. You want to take an angle that goes, was up. I know that uh, hitting coaches tell your people try to hit line drives, but really, if you're trying, to, if you're a power hitter and you want to hit out of the park, you hit it at a 45 degree angle. Up. Right. Okay, right? Charles. I think JP has another question. Yeah. So another thing. Activated your mind. Now your little squirrels getting really. Oh busy no, I, I, just, yeah. I, I love it. I love talking this because. So then, some of the furthest home <laughs> runs, some of the furthest home runs I ever hit, I realized yeah. in the barrel, the seams were indented into the bat. And so yeah. it was a, there's a miss. I don't know. They always used to say you caught a seam. If you hit a ball a certain a super, super long distance, it was a difference between hitting it in the, I don't know, what would you call that? White the, part of the, the ball. White, white part of the baseball mm-hmm. or the space. Or, or the, the seam. Or right on the seam. Because if I, because again, you know. So wait maple, a minute. Are you saying that you have actually looked at a bat after you've hit a home run? And the seam of the ball yeah. is indented. In de- yeah, so in, so in Maple, I mean, Ash, you can see it a little bit, but in Maple, if you hit a ball square, because guys always want to clean their bats too. Another thing is, is guys always clean their bats because you want to see 
where you're hitting the ball on the back because there's a sweet spot. So you want to be able mm. – it's, it's all the, the things that go into it. But when, when you hit, since it's a clean bat, when you hit a ball good, right. I know exactly where I hit it because you can see, if, especially the longer home runs, you see the seams, the indention of the seams mm. on the bat. So I, I just want to know if, wow. that was, if that makes sense, if that's – and Science. does that make a difference, Charles, the hitting the seam or hitting the white space? Does that make a difference and why? Let me tell you two ways that it could make a difference, okay? One way is that the white part of the ball is slipperier than the seams. Okay. So if you catch the seams, you may be able to hit the ball with a more clean shot without slippage. So that, like, you know, in a foul tip, what happens is you, you catch a piece of the ball and it spins away. But if you hit it on the seams, you might be able to get a little more friction so that even if it's not exactly square, you might be able so to it's the same get it reason why the pitcher off. It's the same reason why the pitcher grips the seams. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, the bat is gripping the seams the same way the pitcher throws the ball. Excellent point. Which, oh, which, dude, that's awesome. This creates more spin. That's right. I have a thought for you. Um, if we, sure. If we sort of cut across all Major League Baseball rules, what would be the perfect material to make? To cork a bat. A bat. So as a power hitter the, like JP could do his thing and not worry about it. Tell us from an astrophysics if, standpoint, yes, how please. can we cheat I, best at this if, game? If, we, if I want the perfect bat, I would actually use an aluminum bat. Really? Uh, JP, you probably remember from college, right? That, that ball would just fly off that aluminum bat. Yeah, uh, so, so why and, and is that? We were, JP, by well, the way, the, when you were in college, did you love playing with an aluminum bat? I was a huge aluminum bat guy in college, yeah. Nice. Really big fan, <laughs> silver shiny, very, very nice. <laughs> <laughs> You're taking this in another direction, Mr. Nice. You are. Okay. You, see, you, uh, you got your own little show going on there. Okay, Your own little show going off I didn't do it this here. time. JP did that one. I'm no, sorry. No, I obliged. You started that. <laughs> Look, I'm going to have to separate the, you two. Uh, but no, seriously, why is aluminum yeah. such yeah. a great material and uh, why does it work better? Okay, aluminum is very light for its yeah. It's still heavier than wood, right? Uh, denser than wood, I should say. Yeah. Uh, but um, you can make it kind of hollow. The typical aluminum bat isn't filled all the way through with aluminum, so you've got some space in the middle. So you've got this sort of um, ability to to ricochet, bounce back and forth a little bit. That elasticity, right? That was the second point about hitting the ball in the laces that matters, right? Because as JP was saying, you hit the ball in the laces. What, what you're getting is a little extra compression, right? The laces are up by a fraction of an inch. And if mm -hmm. you hit that lace just right, get a little extra compression, you have a little bit longer to transfer more energy from the bat to the ball. And therefore, you can get a better launch of the ball. That's so so it, it's basically a spring load is what you're saying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. gotcha. And so if you have an aluminum bat that's got a little bit of give to it, a little bit of hollowness in it, you're just going to contact have a longer period of time to transfer energy and therefore you get a little bit extra rebound off of that i don't know if jp that that makes sense to you in terms of i don't know if you ever can feel this right the contact with the ball is just a fraction of a second but you ever feel like when you hit a ball really really well it seems to hang on the bat just that little tiny bit longer than when you just get a piece of it honestly it's almost the the, the opposite when you hit a when you hit a ball super square with a wood bat you don't feel it, which is I don't wow. I don't know how to I don't yeah, know yeah. how to. Uh, you know, yeah, well, yeah, you know what? Spot. I thought yeah. that's why they called it the sweet spot, is mm. because there's no reverberation in your hands yeah. through the bat. Yeah, when I hit a ball good, I I knew as soon as I hit it, I was like, that was sexy. That was it. Yeah, that was it. Yeah.
Yeah, I hit that right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, right, we're going to take yeah. a break. Seems like the right time, doesn't it, really? Uh, Chuck, go and have a cold shower. Uh, you got a couple of minutes. Uh, right, we'll have some sexy baseball when we get back. Stick around. Welcome back to Playing With Science. I'm Gary O'Reilly. And I'm Chuck Nice. Yeah, okay. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to do our final segment, but uh, we're going to open it up to you guys. Right, questions from the floor, please. You must have some. Caleb, wow, we have, you are we have our quite maestro a few, with the quite microphone. Quite a few people who have their hands up. Choose the victim of your choice. There you go. Excellent. Sir, please introduce yourself. Uh, my name's Jason. Uh, we're here at South by Southwest, um, and a big focus of things here have been virtual reality and augmented reality. Yes. Uh, I just wanted to maybe get a sense from JP or maybe from Charles how that's currently being used as far as sports performance enhancement cool. and how it might it be used in the future. All right. Very Thank nice. you, Very Jason. Nice. Just, just to direct you to a Playing With Science show that's already up, Yes. Regarding how technology is changing football, and that would be American football. Yes. We do address exactly that issue, but no, no, absolutely. And, and by so the way, it's, it's, uh, free, it's, it's free for go and grab, and uh, yeah. you'll you'll hear a lot more than we could explain to you in in terms of this answer now. And by the way, just uh, just for the distinction's sake, so the virtual reality is completely immersive. That's where you put on the goggles and you are in that world without leaving where you are. The augmented reality is Terminator. So remember Terminator when he landed and he looked around and was like and he saw all the different stats that's augmented reality. So exactly what you said is great. So Holden, what what is MLB doing with that? Well, right now it's it's more viewing and it's starting to it's not virtual reality whatsoever, but they're doing real-time analytics. Okay. So what we're doing we're talking about root efficiency. Now, root efficiency would be a guy playing the outfield um, is yeah. he taking the most direct path to catching the ball? And the second that he catches the ball, boom. Wow. Actually, they're working on time. So he's vectoring. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. So they're looking at that, looking at root. How fast was his initial jump? Yep. Um, and what they're trying to do that way, so that would be the Terminator right. way of doing right. it, That's the Terminator. is calculating how quickly and how efficiently mm. somebody, uh, an outfielder, is getting to a ball. They're doing a lot defensively. So in, in the, is this in-game or training? This, this is in-game while you're viewing. A lot of the things that we're looking at right now is trying to make baseball more exciting, okay? And, and seriously, I mean, it's... Hey, it it's no, no, no. It's so maybe Come not on, so much pretty, exciting, There's a lot of into, nice bats. In there the are a lot of nice bats. <laughs> but <laughs> the, the biggest knock on baseball is it's boring. <laughs> and we're trying to, you know, we're trying to get more people involved in really it. Listen, hold it. You had me a nice bat. Every other, sport, <laughs> right. every other sport, like NFL and right. soccer, are using the GPS trackers. They're using right. the uh, radio transmitters and the, and the exactly. microchips and the pads. So yeah. Now, as far it. as the VR goes, that's interesting because I've talked to guys in, in Major League Baseball. They say that they really don't trust it yet. They don't trust it to where they can bring it to their players. Let's say you're in the batting cage, you're taking actual hacks, but there is virtual reality. Let's say you were facing Randy Johnson, and right. you're using this virtual reality. I guess maybe they haven't perfected it to the point to where you guys would feel comfortable. I know in NASCAR, there are guys, the, the drivers. Put yeah, the VR no, on, absolutely. and there's the course absolutely. there. You know why? Because NASCAR, those those cars cost right. a crap load of money. So when it's better to crash the virtual but, car than the real car. But 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 JP, 
would you, as a player, feel as though you would benefit from something where you could be in an environment where you're practicing the same thing over and over again without being in an actual game day situation? Immensely. I think it'd be, it's, it's huge, and I think it's going to change sports. Just in, in football, how they're, they're having guys go under center and being able to read defenses before, yeah. you know, put you – because the one thing I did learn, and I didn't know as a rookie, and everyone talks about experience – and I used to just be like, all right, dude, stop with the experience. But that's what why guys continue to get better through their career, why guys – because the more times that I could see a pitcher – so if I face a guy 10 times, 20 times, that's why some of these veterans, people are like, why are they so good? Because when I face a guy 50 times, he unless he completely invents a new pitch, I know everything that he's got. And so if I can sit there and watch – what this pitch does over and over and over and over, it's gonna make it's gonna make a huge difference. Now, like to your point, is how real is it? Because I don't want to be able to sit there and watch all these things, and then when I get into the game, not it not be the same thing. And then even to the point of, and this is scientifically, you know, Charles is is when you're thinking, they always say when you're thinking yeah. it's too late. So if I'm in the box. Yes. And I don't trust my eyes, and I have to think, okay, is that this, that, this, or the other? I'm done. I got no chance. So if another part is being over-informed, and that's the thing that, you know, for baseball. Now, for drivers, I have a friend who's an IndyCar driver, and he, he loves the virtual reality because they can race on the track before they ever get into it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think, I think it's going to change the, the, the game. Right now in baseball, the only thing that they used to do was they have a screen, the Yankees have it, and some teams don't really have it. Some guys do. It's a screen, and so they'll put the pitcher that you're facing, and there's a little hole out of the screen, and the dude just – the ball comes out of there. But that's more just for timing sake and purposes because if I can – like, and then what I mean by timing for the people that don't know baseball is, like, if, if I'm hitting and the guy has a leg kick and it's a certain leg kick or if his windup is a certain tempo – I'm going everything is is timing. I'm going off of yeah, that pitcher. Yeah, so yeah. if I can if I can get his timing down, that's half the battle. And so that's more than anything, but yeah, I think you know more and more you can see something and you don't have to think and your eyes can just you're you were there before it happened then of, of course I think virtual reality is going to be a huge and integral part of the sports. Super cool, man. That Jason, does that cool. satisfy you? Fabulous. Right. Please, our next victim. Oh, Other questions? She's very keen, isn't she? <laughs> <laughs> I know people here. Um, so, th- so this is more on the uh, behavioral science side, a question for JP. I've always wondered, watching 162 games a year, you get to know who the umpires are and who's cycling through and who's at home plate. So I've always wondered how much you factored that in to their differences of how they call a pitch oh, and whether or not in the box and then and – then also how that's changed now that viewers at home can actually see where the pitch ended up. Yeah, that's very that's a All really right. great question. I mean, seriously, you're, you're uh, on the spot. Yeah, that's a really oh, no. good question. Yeah. Like, like, because different umpires have to call games differently. Well, and they, I mean, you got to know that. Even though the rules are the styles. same. Even though the rules are the same. So we, in in baseball, there is literally I get a, I would get a sheet every game, and that said these are the cold and hot zones of that umpire. So some umpires may have a higher strike zone than others. Right. Obviously, the strike zone is a strike zone, but they have tendencies like anybody else. Mm. 
And then also you have to – part of it is being a psychologist back there because a lot of these guys, their egos are – a lot of them think that they're the gatekeepers of the of the sport. And so, do you ever do this? It's no. just like straight, and you're just like, "Good call, man. That was a good call." Oh, dude, you have you have. I, I really appreciate what you do, brother. Hey, serious? No, but no lie though. There's there's guys that you have to you have to like pump their tires. Like, dude, you were freaking so good tonight. Like, you were yeah. unbelievable. Wow, dude. And then there's some. You got guys, new contacts, didn't you? You got new contacts. That's, well, and, that's great. But then there's and then there's some guys that legit they will try to stick it to you to the point where I've watched guys back talk the umpire and I'm back there and I know that whatever we throw, he's calling it a strike because the, he's pissed off at the guy. That's he's bad. Yeah. So, and, and they, and there's so, I mean, it, there's so many things we could talk forever, but there's so, even to the part, the, the point of, if you ever watch when a guy gets upset at a strike, right? they don't look straight back at the umpire. No. They'll put their head down and they'll... Right. They, they'll, start, scuffing because, the, they start scuffing the dirt. Yeah. You know what I mean? They, because yeah. if you look back at the umpire, their ego, they know because... Oh, my they, God. So it's like working for J-Lo. If you look her in the eye, you're fired. Yeah. Done. So because what happens is as, a, as an... Did as that happen to you, Chuck? Yep. <laughs> as an umpire, as an umpire, if I'm looking at the umpire... Everybody knows that I'm speaking right. with him. So he is already Don't right you out of eyeball defen- me, yeah, boy. Defensive, serious. And so that's why, guys, because, again, if you – that's like a sign of disrespect. If you look oh back there. Oh, my God. You just gave me such a new perspective on this game. I never – you know, there's a big debate right now <laughs> oh. as to whether or not we should allow cameras and computers to call balls and strikes. No it's chance. A huge – Huge debate right no now. No chance. And it's the same reason why we have the uh, replay in the NFL. So, okay. After hearing this, I never want to see cameras call balls <laughs> yeah. and strikes, ever. Because well, that is awesome. I say no chance just because there'll be, there'll be breaking balls, curveballs, sliders, whatever, that'll hit the dirt. And when they cross this, the quote-unquote K-zone, it's in the air. It's passing through as a strike, but it's hitting the dirt. There's no way you're calling that a strike. So there's... There's a so lot of So you're saying that this is forever going to be a subjective call. Yeah, there if for whatever if I can ever have any say in it, but I, all players would feel the same way because again also too is what uh and I'm sure you can speak to this uh as well because this is way over my pay grade is is an education is we've been talking about moving the strike zone up or down, correct? And and part of the reason yeah. and they cuz they think that moving the strike zone up is going to make more contact, which it's harder to hit a ball up than down, which that's one thing that they're completely wrong on. But the other one is the reason why that I think they're trying to move the strike zone is because literally if you watch the K zone, there'll be pitches that'll pass through at the bottom of the strike zone that hit right behind home plate. There's no way that that could be a strike. But for what they have right now, that's a strike. So it's, there's a lot of things that still have to be ironed out. But again, I wish that they had us mic'd up because <laughs> – it's it's and then especially I'd, when I'd pay extra for that. And then too. when I'm when I'm not and when I'm not happy with the umpire, then it gets more interesting and yeah, more they fun. Might take and what do you ever, what do you do when you're not happy? Do you do you say stuff under your breath? Do you just oh like, no, I wear them out. I'm I because then there's there's a point. I'm I'm good with guys and I'm nice to them. But dude, if you do you ever talk to the catcher like he's the umpire? You know what I mean? Like like so oh, yeah, you're like, batting right. There's another catcher right, and he calls a strike, and then you turn back to the catcher. Right? And like, I ever tell you, your mother's a whore. I ever tell you that? I mean, I'm just talking to you, not the umpire. Like, you ever? <laughs> oh, the, the, all right. Funny story. Uh, <laughs> so, 
<laughs> so do you know, you guys know uh, Kawasaki? He's with the Cubs now. I don't know if you guys have seen Masanori Kawasaki. 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 Yeah. So mm-hmm. in Japanese, we used to know this, and he, he, he would call the umpires um, a derogatory term in Japanese. Sweet. Politically correct, he would call the person uh, a, a, homo, a homosexual, to, but he would say, he would like look at them and just get all over them and say bad things to them. And the, and he'd do it smiling, right? So <laughs> us in the right. dugout, so they're they're thinking in, that in this the, guy in Japanese, like, wow, they're such a polite culture. Yeah, they really are. And and we would be dying laughing because he'd be looking at the at the umpire and just ripping him, right, in Japanese, but just smiling the whole way. So it was great because the umpire was like, oh man, even when I'm not good, this guy is smiling at me, but. We all knew that this dude was just completely tearing well, him let, apart. Let's just hope that so, there are no umpires listening to this show right now because he's in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> the secret may be out. <laughs> all right. I think we got time for one more question. Who do we have? Sir, what is your name? My name is Matt, and I'm a science teacher here in Austin, Texas. Give it up for yes. Matt. Yes. Now, Matt, before you go on, uh, let me just ask you, uh, what grade do you teach? I teach Earth and Space Science to high school seniors. Okay, my condolences. Well done, you, sir. Congratulations. I'm so sorry for yeah. you, sir. I'm so terribly yeah. sorry. Uh, but you are a true saint. Good for you. Thanks. What's your question? Dr. Liu, can you make some connections for us between the ball colliding with the bat and galaxies colliding with other galaxies. It's galaxies uh, colliding, Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> galaxies colliding, did, Jerry. Galaxies colliding. Uh, that was uh, a really cool happen. way it's to bring the question. whole show together. So cool from a science teacher okay. to an astrophysicist. So, let, let me put it this way. The collision of two galaxies is like the collision of two beehives. The stars inside them, just like the bees in the hives, won't actually hit one another. So there's not actually a lot of physical collision, right? So in terms of a bat hitting a ball out of the park, you're not going to have a star hitting another star and knocking it out of the galaxy. But you have something just as cool, if not even cooler, because the gravity of the systems will make them slingshot out without even touching one another. You can throw thousands, millions of stars out into long tidal tails or just flat out into space. You can throw planets out of their solar systems. You can throw moons away from their planets. And all you have to do is to come close enough that your gravity will cause that to fling away. So in a sense, uh, yes, it is too bad that we won't hear the crack of the bat, but we will see fireworks well beyond just one thing hitting another because you're going to have in a galaxy colliding with another one, fireworks, celestial, cosmic accident-like Yo, man. Did everybody yeah, get it? I want, I want to see awesome. that from everybody. Yeah. Mind yeah. blown. Mind blown. All Very right. nice. Baseball and fireworks. All right. Wow, this has been a great show, man. Isn't it? It's really um, cool. I'd like to thank everybody that sat through this and hopefully has enjoyed it. Yes, thank you. And we want to thank everybody at South by Southwest for allowing us to be here and to do our thing. Thank and you to uh, Andrew at TuneIn and yes. TuneIn. And, of course, our guest. JP, please give it up. Thank you. Holden Kushner, the man with the inquiring mind. Thank you very much. Thank you, Holden. Thank you, yes. guys. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And the man that needs no introduction. Good, I think you'd love him if you've never met him before. 
Please give it up for the man on screen. Chuck Lou! I'm Chuck Nice. I'm Gary O'Reilly. This has been Playing With Science. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, guys. You.